Only moments ago, New York has come under attack. Witnesses claim to have seen hundreds of UFOs. It's opening fire! Oh my gosh! Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast and iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We are part of the Main Name A Network, and to find more from us, check out the website at themainname.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Main Name. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gbnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Del Vecchio, and with me, as always, is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, hey, what's going on? That's my new thing. Hey, how do you, what do you think? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, no, I can workshop it. Man, you kind of just stepped on the toes of Mark's probable bit, too. Oh, no, I didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, I was just going to ask a question. If uh, after watching this movie, I'm assuming we're all in agreement that moon wizards are superior. Moon wizard, anything on the moon is superior. <laughs> oh, this movie. Oh. <laughs> I feel like I've thrown everyone through a loop now. <laughs> I'm sorry, all right? I don't even, uh, yeah, I don't even know where to begin, but we don't really have to talk about that yet, because like every other episode we do, we talk about what we watched this week. So, gentlemen, what have you watched this week? Dan, let's start with you. All right, I watched uh, Army of the Dead by uh, one Zack Snyder. Now, is this I... Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead? I certainly hope so. But I keep seeing uh, I keep seeing interviews with him talking about like more of like, what like what he's expanding on, uh, and I hope they don't expand on it because this movie it's not terrible it's not bad really it's fine mm-hmm. and as Anthony you would know as someone who who loves movies if something's fine 
we don't need more of it, right? If something's yep. just, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I don't need more of it. 90% um, of the movies are fine. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of just okayness out there in, in yeah. Hollywood. And, you know, again, was I entertained most of the time? Uh, I thought that this movie, for the love of God, Snyder's got to make a movie that's less than two and a half hours. He has to at one point. <laughs> Because this movie dragged far too long. For a, a simple heist movie, it's too long. Two and right. a half hours. No good. Um, have either of you gentlemen seen it? Nope. have not I seen have not. it. All I've right, seen so plenty I... of clips from it. And okay. it kind of looks like shit in terms of the yeah. visuals. Oh, he, yeah. he's the director of uh, cinematography in this, I think. Yeah. And there you go. Um, it's kind of funny because I always... Uh, in terms of talking about Zack Snyder, I always thought about I was like, he's a better cinematographer than he is a director. And okay. Apparently, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. He he does a lot of uh, it's a lot of modeled backgrounds. Uh, and a lot he for some reason he really digs into like the blurry background with the yeah. the, the the character in the foreground being in focus. Uh, was that a rack shot, right? Yeah, like a really shallow depth of field, and then yeah. compensating with some with a bunch of rack focuses. Yeah, and just it's not an interesting, you know, Vegas is is colorful, it's it's vibrant, and again, I understand that this is a zombie apocalypse, but it's so boring. There's, <laughs> there's nothing to look at really. Mm-hmm. So it it really takes away from that. And another thing that the characters really don't have much of a story arc for mm-hmm. two and a half hours you would think that you would you would get a little bit more from your characters it's not really it, it I, I i was talking to you guys about it and anthony you said you saw someone uh, agree with my uh my take on it this is essentially aliens you just take away the aliens and replace them with zombies mm-hmm um, I understand that reference now because I've watched I've watched Aliens. There, there you go. Yes, <laughs> I like right down to the badass uh, chick who has the red bandana on. Yeah, I mean that, that's probably an homage, which is cool. But yeah, it's basically like uh, an evil multi-billionaire is sending in a, a ragtag group of Marines. You know, here it's they're you know just mercenaries, but in Aliens they're marines mm-hmm. and like yeah just you, you have to go rescue this object when really there's a an ulterior motive mm-hmm. uh, who's the who was the guy in aliens he was um paul riser paul riser yes there's even a paul riser character like he goes along with ripley just to you know quote unquote make sure everything goes to plan yeah. when really he has you know he's really just trying to complete the ulterior mission right um yeah and again it, it could have been better but it could have definitely been worse gotcha. but uh, just a lot of missed opportunities yeah so two questions for you dan sure um to go back to Anne's original question does the title say Zack snyder's army of the dead uh i think it does right i like i, I definitely think they portray, like netflix portrays they're cashing in on the snyder like okay. Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just, just wanted to know if he got to that level. Oh yeah, like this guy. <laughs> oh god, it's just like he needs to go away for a good three to four years, I think. Because like, so he has this movie out, and again, it's fine. But then all of a sudden, someone tweets, "Release the Snyder Punch" with uh, 
sucker punch. Yeah. Come on, people, please. We we don't need more of this guy. Yeah. No. Really? Yeah. Do you think do you think when like Scorsese was, you know, at his height, if there was social media, do you think people would be hashtagging more for Scorsese? No, I think because Martin Scorsese, I don't think ever compromised his own vision. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I think so, I think that's like one thing. Like with so the Justice League is such a such of its own monster. Um, I can't really side with Warner Brothers after everything that happened, but they're you know he faced a tragedy in his life. He had to step away, and then they came in and they kind of you know did everything that a studio would do. They brought another director for whatever reason the director decided or the studio decided that they didn't want to go with his original vision, and probably has to do with the fact that he did not hit a home run with dawn of justice when he took superman took batman and put them in a movie for the first time of all ever and people were like eh, it's not that good um but like for a movie like sucker punch i'm assuming i'm sure as every other director has to do they had he had to come to compromises but you know how much of his vision is compromised to the fact where people that think it's a misogynist piece of shit where <laughs> right. they celebrate the rape of female characters as empowering. Did he compromise his vision so much that that wasn't in his original vision? And I don't yeah. think he meant it. I, I mean, I, I think that's the, the biggest criticisms of it. I think it's not something that he set out to do. I think it's just a bro dude trying to write a feminist movie and not understanding feminism. <laughs> I, someone joked about it that uh, they, they quote tweeted uh, the one of the actresses tweeted the hashtag and said, uh, release the, the Snyder punch now with 20% more rape in it. So it's like, <laughs> like that's what kind of, that's how I took away from that movie. When I saw it, the, again, the main characters don't know any of them other than, I think one of them's name is like baby, right? Yeah. Like the main character's baby blanking yeah, on everyone. Gun to my head. I could not tell you another person's name in that movie. Uh, <laughs> I know John Hamm is in it, but I yeah. don't know his character name. But yeah, I, I just I know the whole point of it is, you know, like they're powerful in their minds. Yeah. Which is which is great, but that doesn't really mean anything when you're getting lobotomized in real life and right. being taken advantage of. Yeah. So that tweet feels very Jenna Malone. It I, was I, Jenna Malone, I think. <laughs> I had to as soon as he said it, I'm like, I think Jenna Malone's in that movie. That sounds very much like something Jenna Malone would tweet. <laughs> yeah. Again, I I can't imagine. There's no other, and there's amazing directors out there. Like Edgar Wright is coming out with a, a movie, uh, uh, Last Night in Soho, right? Or final, mm-hmm. what? Last Night in Soho. But if that movie doesn't do well, will people be championing release the right cut? Well, Probably I, not. Again, to talk about people that compromised their their visions. He walked away from Ant Man. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to happen, pretty much, is is what I'm saying. No one's going to do that because it's not going to happen. Just like any other... He's the only director in history where people kind of have to, like, go to bat for him for some reason. Every time. (laughs) Every time. Every time. (laughs) And and question two, Dan. Sure. Does Dave Bautista wear tiny glasses? He does. Oh, you bet your ass he does. (laughs) I think that's the first shot of him you see is in these little goggles. And it's adorable because his head, he has like, for such a big man, and I like Batista, he, he, you know, I think he's fared better in acting than The Rock. I like him more than The Rock. Um, 
but yeah, he he has this thing where he needs to wear these, and his head just doesn't shape well with glasses. It looks weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know if you guys I would saw not that. say that to his face, but yeah, I don't know if you guys saw that tweet, but they did like that that galaxy brain chart. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember it was telling like, me about this. Yeah, it was like your movie does not have Dave Bautista in it. Your movie has Dave Bautista, but it's a cameo. Your movie has Dave Bautista, but he's a star. And then Galaxy Brain was, your movie has Dave Bautista, he's a star, and he and he wears tiny glasses. <laughs> because I think he does it in the spy movie with the oh, little kid as well. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, Gruber, right? What is it? Uh, MacGruber? Is he not in Mac, it? Not MacGruber. Uh, the the uh, Stuber. 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 With uh, Camille yeah, he and Jai. But, but so my, my biggest thing with, and, I, and I'll, I'll pass it over. My biggest problem with Army of the Dead was he introduces two like huge possibilities and it's never touched on. <laughs> and it's like you, you sit there and you're kind of like wondering, like, did I just see what I, I think I saw? Like, that's weird. Right. And then other people talk about it and then he doesn't mention it in the movie. And it, it's a cool concept. It's a really cool concept. So why wouldn't you put it in there, right? Why wouldn't you at least give some, like, narrative of it, some context clues? And I like, I don't want to spoil it for you guys, so, like, if you decide to watch it. But, yeah, man, it, like, you, sometimes you got to tell us things. You can't just, you can't just flash it. Like, is it, maybe it is, maybe it's not. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see for my sequel. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> what about you, Mark? What have you watched this week? Anything? Yeah. Uh, nothing, unless if you count watching the Good For You video a dozen times, then, <laughs> then I watch the the equivalent of maybe a TV show. There you go. I knew you were going to mainline that. <laughs> For me, I actually watched movies this week. I watched two, and both of them are horror movies. Nice. So this week, I watched Saint Maud. So on Amazon Prime, it's an A24 release, and this is a miss from wow. A24. I did not enjoy it. Um, I don't really know what I was supposed to get out of it. It tells a really small story. Um, it tells a really small story of a girl in Coney Island, Ireland. I spent an hour and ten minutes thinking this movie took place in Brooklyn and wondering, why does everybody have British accents in this movie? <laughs> now, is that an actual place in Ireland? It's an actual place, apparently. Oh, okay. Uh, but i was just like because they're like she opens up and you see her walk past a sign that says coney island i was like oh it's brooklyn and then she walks up like this mountain hillside staircase and i was like oh that's weird but you know like (laughs) creative license you know she's going into this weird estate house so let's pretend suspend disbelief just a little bit you know there's some hills you know bronx has hills and stuff i'll i'll buy it and then i'm just like well our main character's got a british accent person that she's she's supposed to be like a caregiver but the person that she the her the person she's taking care of doesn't have a british accent it's like well that person does and this person does and this person does like what the fuck's going on here (laughs) (laughs) and it turns out there's a there's a coney island in ireland um but the the story is super flat it just it's one of those movies where it's like is this really happening or is this in her head is she crazy and then it never really 100% answers the question. And then it's like, fine, I really don't care. <laughs> That's the second movie that you've watched in a row, like back-to-back weeks, where, where it's like, is it going on in her head? Because you watch that Amy Adams movie, 
right? The, yeah. The rear yeah. window or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, the woman in the window. The woman in the window. So, yeah, you, you yeah. got a, a shtick going there. I kept waiting for, like, something to have, like, that turning point of the movie, you know? Because, mm. like, Hereditary is very much like that. It's like, is she crazy? Is this all in her head? And then something happens, whether or not it's, you know, she's crazy or this is all fucking real. I was waiting for that moment to drop. And it just never does. And it's super disappointing because A24 usually knocks that out of the park. But at least they're releasing, you know, they usually acquire these movies and then release them. They usually have a good. But I've seen people say that this is like one of their their favorite horror movies. And it's like stretching the horror, to be honest with you. Really stretching the definition. Now, is, is it more not like a psychological horror, but more of just like maybe like a tense because, like, again, you're waiting and you're waiting. It just, it never... I'd consider it psychological. Okay. Yeah. It's a character study, I guess, is another way of putting it. But I wasn't impressed. Maybe I'm just not the right demographic, but I don't know. I'm an A24. I, you know, I like most of their movies, but not a fan. But one movie I was a fan of, um, which I watched. So Joe Bob Briggs, um, his last drive-in series this week kind of uh, took a note a page out of our book because last week we reviewed maniac cop and then all of a sudden last drive and decided to have both bruce campbell and william lustig on this week to talk about maniac cop and maniac cop 2 and i was planning to watch it friday night when it when it aired live on shutter tv but my tv does not get the shutter app so the only way i would have been able to watch it was on my phone so couldn't do that because I wasn't going to watch a movie for three hours or whatever um, with that. But I watched Maniac Cop 2 once they released it onto the uh, the Amazon Prime Shutter app. So I watched Maniac Cop 2 after we watched Maniac Cop last week. Maniac, Maniac Cop 2 is slightly better than Maniac Cop, I got to be honest. Um, bigger now, budget. Bruce Campbell in it? Bruce Campbell is in it for oh. a certain amount of time. Not Uh-oh. to spoil anything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but he does return. Um, so so would you say he's too maniac too cop i would not say that at all <laughs> and when and when we release this episode you won't say it either <laughs> um no i i enjoyed it it was good um it was fun uh but uh, joe so the joe bob the last drive-in's kind of so he would break up the movie with interviews and stuff like that it was the first time i ever really watched his show joe bob briggs just fun. It was a cool movie. I was gonna watch both of them. I was like, ah, I've seen Maniac Cop very recently, <laughs> so I'll just watch Maniac Cop. Um, but that was cool. Yeah. So I was uh, I was in a horror mood this week. And I got the itch. So maybe I'll watch some more next for next week's show. And yeah, so that was it for me. Um, yeah, that's the only shows I've been watching. The movies I've been watching. Um, but yeah, that's it. So. We're going to take a quick break before we get into this week's movie and listen to some ads so we can pay those bills. And we'll be right back. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into this week's movie. And this week was Dan's pick. So, Dan, what'd you do to us? Okay. So, as I've done several times in the past, I confused the movie that I wanted to watch with what I picked. So, the movie I picked was from 2012, uh, Iron Sky. And what I thought I was going to watch was uh, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. And they could not be two more different movies. Sure. Yeah, this uh, this movie 
is about moon Nazis, <laughs> uh, which, I, you know, given the time period, like what's going on now in the world, uh, it's kind of relevant. Not the moon part, but the Nazi part. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. I so. mean, yeah. <laughs> well, let's just say, like, did any of us, when we were growing up, did any of us think Nazis would come back with, right? I don't think so. <laughs> At least I didn't. I don't know about you yeah, guys. I mean, but I thought we had finished those things off. Right. I feel like that was the plot of the sum of all fears, maybe. With Ben Affleck and Samuel yeah. Jackson. Was that was that Nazis? I feel like I remember a swastika playing a role in it. You might be right. I saw that in theaters and I hated it. I yeah, kind of like most people did. I buried <laughs> that. <laughs> I know a nuke goes off at a sporting event. And I guess I always thought, well, that was the sum of everyone's fears. The Duke. <laughs> but I guess Nazis could be the sum of a lot of people's fears as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah Mark, what about one, this okay. one? Was Yeah. So I was as worried as I've ever been watching a movie in the first 10 minutes um, that I don't know how we're going to make an episode out of this. This is, ah. Uh, um, but uh, as it went along, I'm like, all right, I know how we can do a podcast. Still a terrible movie. Um, I don't know exactly what they were going for. Um, I know Anne's probably going to um, touch on that a little bit too. Um, but I like. it seemed like it was one of those, as I've described before in this podcast, one of those movies where they had like a handful, maybe less of like jokes that they thought would be great, put them in there and then tried to make an entire movie around them. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they're good jokes, they're not good jokes, but <laughs> you know, that could, you could argue whether they're good or not. Um, but the sheer fact that they thought they had enough there to make an entire movie and apparently two more movies um, from this um, storyline. Um, I think there's an Iron Sky 2 or 3, if I am if I remember from IMDb. There's definitely um, an Iron Sky 2. Yeah. I did not see an Iron Sky 3, but I could look. Yeah. yeah, but it was yeah it was one of those movies where it felt like I saw a review, so I'm not going to say this is my thought but it did it did kind of sum up put all the thoughts together i was thinking it felt like someone was trying to make um the austin powers of nazi movies and just didn't realize what made austin powers funny um and completely missed the mark and fell somewhere in a terrible void between austin powers and the later scary movies you know where it was just reference for references sake instead of having any kind of cohesion uh, to them even being in the movie um i'm sure we'll get into it a little deeper but there was like um i know it's 2012 so at the time i don't remember if this meme was still popular but at this point in 2021 um the the hitler downfall meme um had a moment in this movie um where he you know sends people out of the room and he starts screaming holler and and the people outside listen and start crying and stuff you know except they flipped it in this movie um who was saying it but mm-hmm. it, it just felt like a lot of that stuff. A lot of stuff like this movie was written five years or more before it actually released. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know where to start with this movie. It's I don't know what the point of it is. That's really what it comes down to. Because it's not funny. And it feels... I don't even know how to put these into words. I don't know... It feels like it's supposed to be satirizing 
the world in which we lived in in 2012 and throwing moon Nazis into that world and trying to make a bigger point of the world around us? Is it that, you know, propaganda um, leads to the destruction of the world and people in power will ultimately do what they need to in order to keep that power and for that to grow? And we're not so different than the Nazis if you look close enough sort of thing. And that's, I guess that's timely even in today, obviously, post-2016. That's timelier than probably than it was in 2012. Yeah. But just, I don't know how that message ultimately works back to moon Nazis, even after watching this movie. I don't get it. I don't get the joke in this and how not timely they are like the Sarah Palin stand-in I don't understand how that could be relevant in 2012 unless I'm misremembering 2012 and how big of a player she was in that in that world um I just it's it goes right it feels closer in line with like disaster movie and superhero movie but not a real concerted effort to make a joke. Like, I can't point to what... I, I can't point to a thing that you could say, no, that's a joke in this yeah. for an hour and a half. I don't... I, I can't tell you one moment where they made a concerted effort. It was like, oh, that was a joke that fell flat. It was like, I don't remember any jokes in it. Um, yeah, I, I think the two things... Going off your point, I think if this movie... If we live in 2009 and this movie released in 2009 all the references would be very relevant and would, I guess, uh, catch better. Not that they mm. make the movie better, but releasing it three years after that, all those things have died out or feel like, you know, you know, beating a dead horse sort of thing um, at, at that point. Um, and, and then the other thing, the only, the only really good, even close to a joke in my head that they make is the, is the whole thing about that or the, uh, the woman who has the idealistic, you know, upbringing for what, you know, the Nazis were and, you know, their message and all. And then she sees the neo-Nazis, you know, the skinheads and stuff. And, you know, and it just, you know, just assumes that they're, you know, um, there. Um, That whole kind of scene was the only one that sort of came even close to anything for me, like her seeing the Chaplin movie and realizing that it's not the 10 minutes she has, (laughs) you know, on the moon. Mm-hmm. You know, but everything else just I don't get it. Um, as you said, Ant. Um, I don't know if this was at first I was worried in the like I said in those first ten minutes, I was worried that it was gonna be like really extremist, like like subtle propaganda mm-hmm. um for Nazis. Um uh, until I saw who played the you know, the sort of fewer at the moment. And I was like, All right, this has got a semi legitimate person in it. Um, you know, so I'm like, it can't be like, like some left behind bullshit, um, that is sort of, you know, slipping in a a side message, um, in there. Yeah. It was just, it, it, it felt like that thing where a bunch of guys sitting in a room, um, because it was definitely written by guys, um, uh, you know, uh, thinking that everything they said was hilarious and then they present everything they say in that room and everybody just stares at, but yet somebody gave them how many millions of dollars that you'll tell us in a second. That, that was spent on this movie um, not even close to a million i think it was like well 755,000 euros i think i read yeah 7.5 million euros 
Oh, was it seven point? I thought it was seven hundred fifty-five thousand. Maybe I, I didn't write it, it down right. Well, it's, it's it. Yeah, they use the period instead of a comma. So if you might, one of you may have read that wrong. Either way, I don't know which way it was. But um, when denoting money. But um, the um, yeah, it just it just felt like and. Maybe it's the lost in translation fact that this was made by Australians, Finns, and Germans, I believe. Um, you know, in collaboration, you know, all the America jokes just felt like Europeans making fun of Americans more than actual good, you know, fighting satire on the political culture over here. Um, but yeah, I would say 70% of this movie um, plays differently post the last five years. Mm-hmm. I think I think you guys are overthinking a movie about sp- about moon nazis well here's the thing though i think much like in disagreements and conversations when you invoke nazis you better be fucking right about it (laughs) it's like (laughs) people have lost their careers by calling people well this is like nazi germany i look at gina carano this movie is using nazis for to tell a quote-unquote entertaining story and you got to fucking hit a home run if you're going to invoke Nazism. You really I, do. Do you? You, you yes. 100% do. Because no. then why are you bring why are you bringing them up? Because we already have a movie about space Nazis and it's called Star Wars. We don't need this movie. <laughs> true. Yeah. And they don't true. have to, they don't invoke Nazis. And, and to be fair, even the title of this movie doesn't make sense. Iron Sky. There's nothing that happens in the sky. It's it's in space. Like, why not call it Iron Space or Iron Moon? I'm going to guess that the makers of this did a little bit more research than I did in terms of um, Nazi phrases or Nazi operations or anything like that. And I'm assuming that you could probably walk back the words Iron Sky to be something specific to ger- to Nazi history. Possibly. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, again, I, just, I, th- I think I don't think it was trying to be funny. I think it was just trying to be. This weird action movie, like action sci-fi, and it totally, like you said, it totally whiffed on that. I I don't know if it was, I, I guess it was trying to make fun of people that are stuck in the past or just like, because there, there are still Nazis now and there have been, I guess, Nazis around for quite a while. But uh, those people still hold on to that ideology for whatever reason, you know, and I guess maybe it's making fun of them. I, I don't. I don't quite know what they're trying to make fun of, if anything. Uh, all I know is that it's batshit crazy. There's sure. an African-American actor who is turned white in this movie. Um, and then it's just, like, not really talked about by anybody. Yeah. Right, except for him. And, and we, were, we were talking off the, off the recording about how, how if you're that actor, and uh, what's his name? His, uh, Christopher Kirby. If you're Christopher Kirby... How do you look at that script and say, yeah, I'm cool with them turning me white for uh, 90% of this movie? Why not? You know, it's uh, he he looked like. Did you ever see the Eddie Murphy Saturday Night Live sketch? <laughs> yeah. Yes. When he when he goes in whiteface, that's what this was. It it was so clearly bad makeup jobs. Uh, it it's it's very uncomfortable this movie and. I, I think what they were trying to get at at the end was that, like you, you said, Anthony, like we're we're not so different from the Nazis because they have that that battle in the sky or like in space for the uh, the energy. 
mm-hmm. right? And everyone's launching nukes at each other. It's like, oh, you know, we were the bad guys all along. I was like, okay, well, thanks for bringing that message up at the very end of the movie. Yeah. That makes no sense, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think, well, because like, as of right now, right, in, in this movie, there's the whole, you know, the, the, the two head Nazis march into Washington, and that hasn't happened recently. And we're basically like welcomed in by the president, like, oh, you're going to save my campaign. You know, like, is it just going to show that Americans will whore themselves out for for certain powers? Maybe. I, I don't know. Well, I, I think that entire scene was more so um, trying to make a joke or a point or whatever um, that how gullible um, Americans can be to propaganda. OK, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. You know. You got to remember, it was written by, you know, Europeans um, or were made by Europeans. So, uh, you know, that was definitely what that whole whole segment was about. And it was a little too real in terms of, uh, you know, a basically, you know, a Nazi writing what the president was saying, you know, and it being you can um, hear how it could be interpreted another way. Um, I feel like if we watched this years ago, we would have a different conversation than we're having now. And maybe that's the main point of this, um, is that so much has happened since this movie came out, um, that, you know, it's just, you know, a whole different animal than it was when it was even released. Um, but I, I think, I think getting to your point that, uh, or, or getting back to Ant's point, you know, that that's that's one of the main things when you always think of a fiction that does have Nazis in it. Um, the the ones that actually there is no medium. You either you either hit it out of the park, you know, um, with, you know, your use of it or it just it just falls terribly flat. You know, you think like, you know, you get you get in, uh, you know, and all the ones that are remembered because nobody's going to uh, ironically watch a bad Nazi movie. Um, you know, or all the ones that get it right, you know, you know, uh, Glorious Bastards and, a, you know, American History X and, you know, all that stuff. And I, I think what this movie was going for was trying to be, um, you know, the parody version of those more serious films. I, to and, be fair, there is a movie called Snow Zombies. Uh, so or no, Dead Snow. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, I don't think I have. But I've seen yeah. Outcast. Outcast. Or over, Overlord. Funny. Overlord, sorry. Overlord, yeah. That gets a, a uh, lot yeah. better in this movie. Dead, Dead Snow is literally like a, a group of uh, Europeans that go to, I guess, skiing. And they un- uh, uncover a uh, a cave with zombie Nazis in them. Mm-hmm. So it, what I'm saying is it can be silly. Yeah, you know? but you have, to, you have to get it right. You know, this movie didn't do that. And that's why, A, you never heard of it and confused it with a whole nother movie. Um, because, like, when you get Nazi fiction bad, no one cares to speak about it, you know, in, in any kind of uh, mainstream format. Um, so it never gets into the zeitgeist of anything. Um, you know, that that's my main point with this movie, is that, you know, it thought it was going to hit on something. Um, it might have been written in the height of all those movies Ant was talking about you know, disaster movie and epic movie, you know, and all that stuff. And then by the time it came out, that trend had died off and it was just left out there to die um, at this point. Um, it's, I don't know. I wish I I can see in my head an actual serious movie 
um, in like a sci-fi sense of, you know, actual like escape to the moon Nazis, you know, and then building a culture there, you know, that nobody knew about. And then, you know, you could play the invasion angle thing. Um, but playing it in a silly sense and exaggerating everything um, just doesn't work. Uh, you know, long way around to get to that. Just the, you know, it, the 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 bad shit insane moments do not make up for just the general lack of any kind of, of comedy or point being made um, in the movie. I, th- I think one of my favorite parts of this movie was the uh, the spacesuits that the, the Nazis wear. <laughs> And they are yes. they're not competent spacesuits. They're they're essentially like shock troopers, right? <laughs> they don't have special suits on. Yeah. So I don't know how they would have survived in space. And yeah. even the American spacesuits. Yep. They, I was just they kind of look that. like scuba divers. <laughs> <laughs> like it was so silly. I and someone wrote a review, and this was the review that sold me, uh, because uh, again, like hashtag horny. But it said, um, th- this is what it's like if Brazzers would have had a big budget. I was like, oh, I have to see this. And uh, that's kind of like what it was like at the beginning. And then it just kind of, like, it just devolved very quickly. And I, I wasn't really uncomfortable with anything, again, up until they turned the black guy white. And then I was like, oh, I don't know. I was like, I don't know if they're going to want to do this movie. Like, you guys, <laughs> I, was like, I don't know if they're going to want to do this. Uh, but I persevered. And... Then it just it, it spiraled from just like weird sci-fi to just silly. Right when they, they introduced the the George W. Bush uh, space uh, battle yeah. uh, battleship, and then everyone else had space battleships. And I was just like, all right, like now what what is happening here, and why is this happening? Uh, yeah, I think there's no point to the story other than they wanted to invade. America, or they wanted to invade the world, right? I mean, th- that was as deep or as it blow got. It up? Right? They, I don't, yeah, because I don't think so. so much... I don't. I don't think that's true. I think. I think there was with that whole end scene. There is obviously a message to this movie. The whole scene of everybody blowing each other up over helium three makes. There's a point to this movie. It's not told well. It mm-hmm. gets distracted in its message by being. I don't know. All over itself. the place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but I don't think I, I don't think I could let it off the hook. It was like, oh, it just wants to be silly and stupid. It's like if you're going to try and have that message at the end of the movie of see where the who's the real Nazis after all, you know, right. all the real yeah. Nazis were the friends we made along the way sort of punchline to this movie. And it's just mm-hmm. like, well, go fuck yourself. You didn't tell you didn't tell a, a story in the first hour and 25 minutes that's deserving of this holier than thou point that you're trying to make is yes. kind of where i'm coming from it, it would have made yeah i agree that should have been something that had been touched upon rather than at the very end because i mean they do say oh you know we have this helium three it's going to uh it's going to essentially power up our invasion right which is yeah. all right whatever but then someone should have this should have been the angle like oh you know maybe there's an arms race now to get to the moon to to fight the Nazis and all that good stuff. But it's it's also never really explained why the Nazis landed on the moon, right? Like obviously they lost the war. Yeah, they're escaping. Right, but 
You're going to tell me they had, in 1941 to 1945, you're going to tell me that they developed that kind of sophisticated technology? And they got up there without no one else knowing. Without anyone knowing, yeah. Without anyone knowing. And, you know, there have been missions to the moon, you know, what was it, 1960, right? 1969 is when we landed. No, oh, 1969. So, and the cosmonauts were were sending up satellites. So all of a sudden, this is just like a big, a big surprise to everybody. <laughs> but but uh, have we ever sent anyone to the dark side of the moon? I couldn't tell you. I probably <laughs> uh, not. Just uh, didn't they use the moon's gravitational pull and Armageddon to they kind did. of slingshot themselves around? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, Bruce Willis would have said saw what was up. Right, Bruce Willis yeah. would have said something. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I, you know, like, it, I agree. It's one thing to take this daring type of leap with storytelling and say, yeah, you know, this is cool, because legitimately, it's a cool idea. I, again, you put anything on the moon, like a moon base, <laughs> like send some of that moon money. Uh, <laughs> so like, if you put anything on the moon, that's pretty fucking rad. Right. And then everyone hates Nazis. So they somehow have a, a secret, a, like a society on the moon. That's pretty rad. That's a pretty cool idea. But you do nothing with it. Yeah. You know, it, I, I kind of wish this movie had been like a like a diehard with Nazi moon men. <laughs> sure. You know, like, right. Because you get uh, you get Christopher Kirby's character, James Washington, you get James Washington. He and his uh, his co-pilot they land on the moon. The, the, the co-pilot goes out, gets his brains blown off by the Nazi moon men. And then now he is captured. He's brought in. They go, oh, no, it's a black guy. We hate black guys because we're Nazis. Uh, but he somehow escapes with that really stupid cartoonish. Like, bunk, 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 bunk. He hits all of the Nazis in the head with his <laughs> his space helmet. Yeah. Uh, he does that, and he gets away. And now, I mean, he falls into the grate, right? Oh, he falls into the uh, the vents, the ventilation shaft. Yep. It's set up right there, <laughs> right? So now he's crawling his way through this moon base with, with Hans and Klaus and the Führer, and they're all looking for him, like, oh, you know, like, we can't be corrupted by this this black man on our Aryan space station, you know? And maybe he does get help from the, the woman, right? Maybe because she's, she's naive, she doesn't know. And now he's teaching her, like, hey, you know, in America now, like, this is cool. Like, we're, we're cool people now. We, we like each other. And he kind of, and she kind of falls in love with him or whatever. But he's, yeah, he's kind of trying to sneak his way off of the moon. And I think that would be I'd pretty watch that cool. Movie. Yeah, that's so much better. And you don't have to get Sarah Palin involved or the Lisa Ann version of Sarah Palin. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I do I regret picking this movie? Yes, 100%. <laughs> Am I glad that we watched it? Kind of. Okay. Because it's, again, I'm kind of tired of Anthony picking the batshit crazy movies. <laughs> I'm I wanted to kind of, sh- you know, steal some of that thunder. <laughs> and I think I did a pretty good job. Yeah, it's definitely batshit crazy. So, Iron Sky from 2012 is directed by Timo Vorinsula. Vorinsula. We're going to go with it. We're not uh, going to say their name ever again, so it's fine. We're going to call him Timo at the end. Uh, starring Julia Dietzky. Dietzy? 
Christopher Kirby, thank you, got that one. Gotsado, Udo Kier, Pita Sargent, Stephanie Paul, Tilo Pruckner, Michael Cullen, and Kim Jackson has an IMDb score of 5.9 and a Rotten Tomato score of 40%. Budget, 7.5 million euros. Box office, 10 million worldwide. You guys want to get into the plot? Let's do it. Sure. All right, Dan, we got for us. I'm going to give a quick shout out to our good friend and listener of the podcast, Tia, and let you know that you can go listen to her podcast, The Top 10 with Tia. Uh, Tia and her friend Brittany get together every week and release a podcast of their top 10 lists. So go check it out. A lot of great top 10 lists. I'm sure you can go check it out and disagree with her, agree with her. And if you want to let her know that you agree with her or disagree with her, send her a tweet at TC underscore Stark. And you could also check her out on Geek Vibes Nation since she is the head writer for that website. Great. And we are going to be right back and listen to some messages and friends of the podcast. So we will be right back. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Oh, hi. Didn't see you there. It's me, George, from the best little horror house in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest at least. We've talked about groundbreaking classics like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Alien, but we've also got a lot of great ones coming up, including some very fun guests like Len Kabazinski of Swamp Zombies and Red Letter Media fame, Caroline Williams, the star of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and Chase Williamson from John Dies at the End. So make sure you're subscribe to the best little horror house in philly and i'll see you boils and ghouls over there and welcome back now it's time to get into the plot for iron sky not to be confused with sky captain in the world of tomorrow you can we, see where i got that though right yeah iron sky captain in the world of tomorrow yeah they, they yeah they have the sky word in there yeah and steampunkishness totally. yeah so cut me some slack sure we open on the year 2018 as a lunar lander approaches a moon base on the dark side of the moon. They are American, and we can tell that by the re-election banners for a Sarah Palin look-alike on them. When they, which seems like uh, you can't, you probably can't do that with uh, publicly funded money. <laughs> no, no, and, and also because isn't isn't the moon like neutral territory, right? Like you can't just like yeah. spread your propaganda there. Probably not. Yeah. Well, according to this president, the moon belonged to the Americans. Yeah. Yeah. One of the astronauts get out gets out to monitor the helium three levels. Over over a ridge, he finds an entire helium three mining facility. He reports it back to the lander and then gets shot in the face by a Nazi using a standard gunpowder gun, which I don't think it works that way in space. <laughs> and there's a gunshot. You could hear the gunshot. Yes. Like, made sure to notice that everything makes a sound on in space. Right. <laughs> In Nazi Germany, everyone can hear you scream in space, apparently. Yeah, and the, the blood just splatters and not... Floats. Not floats. Or freezes. Um, or freezes, yeah. And then another Nazi pops up and blows up the rover with the bazooka. Again, not sure if it works that way. 
again, you, you like the creativity, but just because you have Nazis in space doesn't mean you can just forget all kinds of laws of, of space. You know, yeah. they're, they're there for a reason. <laughs> Uh, then the last surviving astronaut is taking, taken hostage by the Nazis. We then cut to a school session on the moon. We'll learn that the Nazis fled from the moon in 1945 and have been living on the moon ever since. Uh, the teacher is a character we're going to get to know, named Renat. She's blonde, female, pretty good-looking woman, and that's yeah, her I, character. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 when I saw her come up, I'm like, she looks like, you know... Uh, she would have been in movies around this time. <laughs> she looks like a Nazi, yes. <laughs> yeah, she looks very much like a Nazi. That's what I was going for. Um, I checked her IMDb, and the only thing, like, she's been in some movies, but just as bit parts. Um, you know, uh, I think their biggest thing is that she was in the Berlin version of those, like, New York I Love You movies. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. There was, like, a whole series of them for different cities. She was, like, the lead of that. Gotcha. So I think that might have been her biggest movie outside of this. Or, you know, that would have been in English. Right. Now, do you like if you're consistently cast as a Nazi, does that weigh on your psyche? Um, I don't know if you're consistently getting work. It's like, well, you know, I know German. Right. But like, I feel like like I'm if I'm being told that you could only play one of the worst people in history. I feel like that that I would be kind of bummed. About, I like that'd be cool at first. Like, oh, you know, I'm working with Christoph Waltz. That's fun. And then all of a sudden, I'm just, I get it. I i look like an evil person, I guess. I don't <laughs> like this anymore. Udo here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Nazi officers bring the astronaut to the base and bring him in front of, uh, as we mentioned, Udo Kier, who's playing the commanding officer, or actually the Fuhrer, the Moon Fuhrer in this movie. It's a pretty and... badass title. <laughs> And they take off the astronaut's helmet to reveal that he is African-American. And they're all very shocked about it. Back at the White House, not Sarah Palin is arguing with her campaign manager via, via hologram phone. You know, the ones you'd see in 2018 yeah. regarding the failed mission to the moon. Not Sarah Palin is not trying to take blame for the mission. She's putting it on her campaign manager. Back at the Nazi moon classroom, the teacher shows them the great dictator cut down to 10 minutes in order to treat it like Nazi propaganda. An officer named Klaus arrives during the lesson to te- tell the teacher that they need her expertise as they've captured an earthling. Meanwhile, the astronaut overhears the Nazis saying generic German words that he understands, like sauerkraut, so he tries to appeal to them using only German words he can muster. And then gets knocked to the ground, he comes back up and knocks a whole bunch of guards on the head with his helmet and makes an escape, jumping over a railing into a deep cavern onto some machinery, and then gets knocked down by a gear and falls down further and lands into an air shaft. I believe the German words were only sauerkraut and Volkswagen. He also says Farfignugen. Farfignugen, that's it. Does he? Oh, I thought he said Frankfurter. I think he says Farfignugen. Yeah, I think you're right. That's a, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> Little rascals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the officer walks the teacher down a corridor and calls her a knockout. And at that moment, a grate falls on his head, knocking him out. That's the one joke of this that's movie. That's the joke. That's the joke. <laughs> there you go. We found it. And then, the, uh, and then the astronaut jumps out of the grate. He asks the teacher how to get out, and she doesn't answer him, so he sees a door and goes to leave, and then she tries to tell him that it's the airlock. But it's too late, he opens the door, and they both go sliding out into space. The astronaut grabs onto something as he gets pulled out, and the teacher's clothes, for some reason, get undone as she's pulled out, but the astronaut grabs her and pulls her back in, and they wind up closing the airlock again. Possibly the 
most gratuitous almost nudity we've seen in a long time. Now, this is where I thought they were going with the, if Brazzers had a budget. It's like, oh, yeah. okay. Well, it would have made sense if his pants were pulled down, I guess. It's like, oh my, you know, I I, I don't know. Uh, what would, oh my God, you're, you know, you're so big. It's yeah. like, oh, here we go. All right, some, <laughs> some moon sex. This was more gratuitous than uh, the opening of Barbarella. <laughs> was it? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, also, and, I feel like they would have died immediately. Oh yes, their heads would explode. If I yeah. knew any, if I learned anything from Total Recall, I was just gonna make that reference. Like, <laughs> you know, um, they never. As much as I shouldn't have expected from this movie. Um, they never explained why they never had the total recall reaction to being, you know, helmetless in space mm-hmm. at any point, even on the Nazi base. Yeah. Um, also, his arm would have been ripped out of its socket from the sheer vacuum of yeah. space. <laughs> Probably. And then once he once he pulls her back in and pulls him ba- himself back in, he just stands back up like he's yeah. there's no pull. <laughs> it's just yeah, like, all right, now good. I'm going to go close the airlock. He just saunters over to it casually. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I guess, moon Nazi bases react differently. Yeah. It's all that helium-3, baby. That's right. Gave him super strength. The unobtainium of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) A bunch of Nazis come up, and the one that got knocked out pulls a gun, planning to shoot. But the astronaut says that he knows the president of the United States, so they believe he can be useful. They take him to some scientist's room and strap him down onto a table. The scientist, not accidentally looking like Albert Einstein... They pull out the 2018-era things out of his pocket, such as a phone, and he explains that he's not an astronaut. He was a model hired to go on the mission, which is a thing that they do not explore that well. Yeah, he was it, not an astronaut. Kind of forgotten. He was just the model, which but is did, so weird. Does he actually communicate with the president at any point after Never. this? Never, right? Nope. Makes no sense. Yep. It would, like, it would be... I don't know. It's just like... I get the idea of like they want they make a, a big deal about the fact that it was the first black guy in space. You mean to tell me that they couldn't find a guy that was an actual astronaut? <laughs> right. Yeah, why are you sending an, a, a model? Well, yeah, it makes no sense. What's you're not going to you can't take a picture of him on the moon. You're not going to see anything. Right. I, I think that's part of the joke that doesn't land is we're supposed to interpret that as um, they just didn't believe there were any you know, uh, black people at NASA that were smart enough to go on this mission. Well, I guess smart enough wasn't the problem. It was camera ready. Camera ready. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's not a joke. (laughs) (laughs) It's barely a concept. Are you telling me you know jokes better than the people who wrote this movie? I don't think so. I think I do. Oh, okay. Fair enough. (laughs) I won't fight you there, really. Yeah. So, the, so Klaus wants to find out why the astronaut was there, telling the scientist he has 24 hours to find out before he will just resort to torture. Um, at the UN, the Secretary of Defense addresses a special counsel regarding the disappearance of the astronaut, and I had to look up what he was because they never specifically mentioned he is the Secretary of Defense um, or name him. A lot of these characters don't get named until like, 40 minutes into the movie, which is annoying when you're trying to write notes. <laughs> so what is it like? Blonde hair, blue eyed person. Oh, right. God damn it. <laughs> That's all they are. Uh, the secretary says that the mission was to promote the reelection of the president. 
which seems illegal to use public funds to do so, but the rest of the council believes that it was either for military purposes or to mine helium-3, which the Secretary of Defense just laughs off. Back at campaign headquarters, the campaign manager is looking over plans on how to spin the disappearance of the astronauts and then berates all of her workers at them for their terrible ideas. And this is the downfall scene. Right, Mark? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost like beat for beat in terms of how she's acting, how yeah. the people in the room are acting. Like, I, it looks like they tried to get it down to every single movement, down to the glasses mm-hmm. shaking before they hit the table. Yeah. I didn't get it until I read the trivia. And I was like, oh, that's why she was overacting in that scene. Yeah. Uh, but back on the character movie. that we see far too much of. Mm-hmm. And I kind of hate it. Yeah. And because, she's all over the place. Exactly. Like she she winds up at the, 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 the end and there's no there's no need to have your publicist on a space station. Yeah. And she looks 10 years older in those scenes. She looks like a Power Rangers villain in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> what were they thinking? <laughs> the makeup department was unkind to her in those scenes, though. Oh, yeah. the, and, the, and the wardrobe department. Yeah. Everyone was just... Uh, unless, like, she specifically asked to look that way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they did her no favors. I, I had to look up to make sure it was the same actress. I was like, is this... The, like, that's the character Vivian, right? I am not <laughs> sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a weird character arc that she has. She just becomes obsessed because she has blue balls because Klaus wouldn't fuck her. <laughs> like, can, that's a hell of a promotion, by the way. Yeah, right? campaign the, manager to the commander of the <laughs> USS George W. Bush. Right. Like that's like me. Like, like I, I do such a good job, uh, like ingesting tape. Like Dan, you really ingested the shit out of those tapes. You're now the commander of a warship. (laughs) Or like, you're now the host of the nightly news. (laughs) Okay, yeah, sure, that makes sense. I'm I'm in. Can I get a sweet jumpsuit with, like, things coming out the sides? I would look like uh, Liberace, essentially. She looks like an un- uh, a a ear of corn that still has its husk on. <laughs> she, she does. She really. Does. <laughs> it's a yeah, very dominatrix kind of look she has going. You know, uh, I, I don't. Did you guys ever watch the uh, the X Men like the '90s X Men cartoon? Yeah. Do you yeah. remember Mister Sinister? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember the the, the cape that he? Oh had? yeah, it comes up. Yeah, and it's like it kind of feathers out a little bit. That's what she has. She yeah. she has the Mr. Sinister look going. And what a disappointing character arc for her, where she just resorted to a woman scorned because she's <laughs> right. Like she's not even a good character, but like at least she seemed like she had some sort of personality a little bit, and she had some drive, and she was like. You know, she was a, the master behind behind the mastermind, you know, sort of thing. And right. then it's like one time, one day she she doesn't get fucked by a Nazi, and she's just like, "This is my character arc now. Yeah. This is all I care about is killing the guy that I didn't get dick from." Right. That's a huge pivot. Yeah. <laughs> it's she like she's essentially Dick Cheney, right? She's yep. Dick Cheney to Sarah Palin's not not Sarah Palin's Bush. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, she's the man behind the curtain. She's the uh, the great and powerful Oz. Yeah, the Iron Curtain. Ooh, Ooh see that? <laughs> Bam. 
Too bad that's Soviet, but we'll go with it. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of the wall, the Berlin Wall. Again, Soviet. Oh, that was in Germany. Built by the Soviets. Right. Well, come on. I mean, Nazis are uh, post-World War <laughs> Yeah. Same thing. Really? You could edit that out. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Uh, back on the moon base, the teacher is back in her room when the officer Klaus comes in to visit her. She's named Renat. I guess that's how you pronounce it. He comes to say that they should be married because they are 97% genetically compatible to produce perfect Aryan offspring. And that he is in line to be the next Fuhrer and he needs a ba- basically a woman to have his babies. The scientist brings the, the Fuhrer into his lab to show them what he's been up to. He's managed to hook the astronaut's phone up to the computer and manages to use it to power up the room for a split second. They are trying to get the uh, something to fly, and they name it. And I don't have it here in my notes because I wasn't thinking that I was ever going to need to remember this German word, but I do have it later on in my n- notes. The Guggenheim. The Gotterdammerung. Oh, close. To get it to fly. They need to get the do- Gottermatterung to fly. That's Any amazing. idea what that means? I do, and we'll get to that later. Oh, okay. That's what we call a cliffhanger. Uh, yeah. I can actually spoil it now if you want me to. Well, we have to go to commercial break first. That's yeah. foreshadowing. So it mm-hmm. is the German translation for the Norse word uh, Ragnarok. Oh, shit. Which is actually the prophesized war between the gods. Now, that also refers to a... Um, song i don't even know if you really call them songs because they're like classical music uh by wagner he had a song we're going to call it in this uh, context for that was named gotterdammerung hmm, cool i didn't i did not know that uh, I, I actually didn't i didn't know the germans had a word for ragnarok i guess they do oh, interesting and now i lost my place uh yeah and that makes that makes sense when uh the fuhrer of this movie says see you in valhalla yeah, he does say that. That's true. Yeah. I did I did think that was kind of odd. <laughs> I, I didn't think Germans believed in Valhalla. Yeah. It makes sense now. There you go. I I accomplished something. I got something in this movie to make sense for you guys. Yeah. Uh but as they're powering up the battery the battery on the phone dies. Klaus tries to convince the Fuhrer to send him back to Earth to get more of the phones. And then the astronaut, meanwhile, James Washington, is being tortured by having German speeches blared into his ears. Then Renat comes in and turns it off for him. They start asking questions about each other. She asks what's wrong with his skin. And then he mentions that he they've been sticking needles into him. And then she hears something come over the loudspeaker, so she runs away, um, tells him to be a Nazi or they will execute him. And Docker comes in and preps some more needles to stick into his body. I, I will say the the only impressive makeup thing, if you can call it that at all, was just the slight look of the transformation here. Like the fact that he had one blue eye, one brown eye was a pretty interesting look. Um, to be honest with you, didn't even notice it. Oh, I, mean, I noticed it right away. Um, but yeah, yeah they, they were showing this slow transition, like the white around his eyes and the two different eye colors. Yeah. All right, so... That, that was out of, of that makeup job that we'll get to later um, in multiple instances. Um, that was probably the best it looked in the movie. Mm-hmm. Then we cut to Klaus as he prepares to board a ship back to Earth. 
and they're going to take Washington with them to show them how to get these pocket computers. And did I mention that Washington is now white with blonde hair thanks to injections, but he doesn't even know it yet. He also does a, uh, a thing in the in a wheelchair as they wheel him out that is a reference to Dr. Strangelove. And then they board the ship uh, with a few others. They land in upstate New York, and Renat stowed away on the ship and is now there with them. Klaus Do you think the Europeans confuse upstate New York with Northern California with where they land for this? It's <laughs> um, a good question, um, but that has a very beautiful uh, shot at the skyline, which, you know, I don't know where that is. <laughs> L.A. No. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> and Klaus reveals that they aren't on Earth to get the computers. They're on Earth to see the president. And a farmer pops up and owns the land that they own, and they shoots at them. And then we have a really weird transition to daytime in New York City as they approach yep. a basketball game happening on street court. Yeah, and I, I think, as I say, go back to there, the, the reason I was confused about what Europeans thought of American landscape is that I believe they were supposed to have literally landed in a in a weed farm. Mm-hmm. Yes, which joke? they don't. You they know. don't. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say they don't really they they don't call attention to it and they run away. So yeah. maybe in well, the yeah. in the longer cut version of this movie that it plays a part. Uh, yeah, the, the couple of references I heard was that you know Washington you know notices the smell and then he walks over and sniffs one of the the plants. Yeah. At one. But but for what purpose? What purpose is that play in the movie? Nothing. No, nothing. nothing at all. <laughs> I, I, I like how the they they land their spacecraft there. They're attacked by a farmer and nothing comes from it. Nope. That farmer is never mentioned again. The the only references to the farmer is when they get back to that ship later on and there's like dream catchers and stuff inside the ship. You would assume that she's been inside there. But that's about it. It makes no sense. It doesn't at all. Why wouldn't the only... they contact the uh, the police or somebody? Like, hey, there's a spaceship in my yard. Well, maybe because their whole yard was full of illegally grown marijuana. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, I guess. See, see like, there's a thread, like Ann said, the longer cut of this movie that right. connects why all those things happen, why that right. ship was still there. <laughs> it's because they're not going to call the cops on them, you know, fucking stupid movie. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, they approach a basketball game happening on the street corner. Klaus sees a Volkswagen van that he wants to steal. So Washington, thinking he's still black, goes to talk to the guys playing basketball, talking in slang. And each one of them immediately pulls guns on him and starts shooting at him as he runs away. So that might be the most offensive thing in this movie, that everybody on that in that game has, owns a gun and has it, are strapped. So uh, still, still turning the black guy white might be the most <laughs> offensive but that's a close second. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Washington jumps into the van that Klaus and Renat have procured in the meantime. In the van as Klaus drives, Washington realizes that they turned him into a white guy. And he's pissed with good reason because he looks terrible. But Klaus gets angry and pulls a gun on him. But Renat settles everyone down. Later, they kidnap Vivian just out of nowhere. Uh, we get to see it, like, mid-kidnapping. The campaign manager throw her in the back of the van. Washington confirms that she can help them get to the president. Klaus immediately tosses Washington out the door, and they drive away. And in a warehouse, which for some reason they knew existed, which I guess uh, they tell Vivian that they want her to bring them to the president because they want to bring their message of peace via the National Socialist Party to the world. Vivian has a realization of an angle that she could bring to the president and is on board and definitely wants to fuck Klaus. 
in the Oval Office, Vivian brings Klaus and Renat, looking like steampunk Nazis now, uh, in to meet not Sarah Palin. Vivian says that they are there to help with the campaign, and then Renat starts to spout some dictator-like propaganda. We get a montage as Renat starts writing speeches for not Sarah Palin, and she starts using them, and it succeeds boosting her ratings. Then we cut to... Three months later, Washington is a homeless is a homeless guy yelling about moon Nazis on the street, and Renat walks by, now dressed in uh, modern-day clothing, and sees him and says hi. So he grabs her and says she's one of the moon Nazis he's been talking about, and they wind up having a fight in the middle of the sidewalk, and then they get arrested. At the police station, Washington tries to tell his side of the story, his story being that he was an African-American model sent to the moon, thought to be dead, but was turned by, turned white by secret Nazis on the moon and returned to Earth with them. And then Renate corroborates the entire story. They get released and Renate can't understand why Washington is so upset because from her perspective, they gave him everything. They made him white and taught him about the National Socialist Party's message of peace and unity. He tells her that they robbed him of his life. Walk past a theater that is playing The Great Dictator, and Renat tells Washington that they should go watch it so he can see what the National Socialist Party's platform is all about, thinking it's the 10-minute cut that she shows her students. Fast forward to the end of the movie, and Renat is shocked by the content, specifically the light they portray the Fuhrer in. She's confused as the portrayal of the Nazis. Washington says that she's confused as to what the Nazis are, and points out a few skinheads saying that those are Nazis, and while she is technically one too, she's not like them. But she says they're probably nice people and goes over to introduce herself, and the threat of rape is immediately in play. Washington tries to intervene, but he's pushed aside, so Renette kicks one dude right in the dick, and a fight ensues. It's pretty convenient that the Nazi skinheads are right outside the theater playing the great dictator. Yeah. Right? What are the odds? <laughs> Nazis love art house film. <laughs> 100%. That's always been their biggest problem, really. Yeah. Revival theaters just packed with neo-Nazis. <laughs> They're the lovers of the arts. <laughs> well, probably an 80s neo <laughs> Maybe. But again, I don't know. Do theater, do a lot of theaters play The Great Dictator? I feel like that's probably not something that's in high demand. I mean, there's there's, there's the film forum in, in New York. Do you think it plays, plays that often? I mean, they have their their specific programming you might catch it one month when they're doing a charlie chaplin retrospective okay what was the uh, the, the little rascal uh, he is the little tramp the tramp yes yeah. that that that's playing the next night i guess yeah. yeah uh meanwhile in a limo klaus and vivian look over polling numbers for the president vivian says that what the president could use is a good war because a war always makes a president more popular just ask bush yep Klaus says that he can help because he could give an order to start the invasion from the moon. And he wants to show her his plan, but she just wants to fuck. She wants to see that plan. The fucking plan. His fucking plan? <laughs> it's probably not very good, I bet. Probably not. Right, just a lot of missionary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they be, go back to her. Okay. And it would be completely against character for to do anything with her anyway. Not that this movie stuck with consistency. But he would have fucked her if the Fuhrer doesn't show up. He was he was literally hand down his pants, ready to pull out the little dictator. <laughs> he was. Do you think the carpet matched the drapes? <laughs> for him, not not for. I, I'm not being grotesque here. I just want to see <laughs> if that guy's pubes matched his his hair. <laughs> but not grotesque. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for clarifying what you meant by, by that. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, do you? <laughs> 
Come on, we're not moving on from here until I get an answer. I would assume that they he's not he's not dying his pubes on moon <laughs> on moon Nazi base. Oh, that'd be incredible if they had that. <laughs> what kind of luxury items do you have on a moon base? You probably shave with a straight razor. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wish they would have explored the moon base more. Just like the the shopping malls, mm-hmm. the the barber. You know, they yeah. probably had some shit up there. Yeah. Uh, it's like like you said, it's not an uninteresting concept, but they just get distracted by and throw the kitchen sink, and then you don't get anything of any interest. Right. Um, so they go back to her office, and he starts showing her his plans, which includes a plan to kill the Moon Fuhrer and the president. But she starts taking off his clothes. They're getting ready to fuck, but they're interrupted by the fact that the Moon Fuhrer, the Moon Fuhrer and his guards are in the same room. Apparently, neither of them realize that. The Moon Fuhrer orders his guards to take Vivian in the back and shoot her, and we hear a gunshot ring out. The Moon Fuhrer sees the propaganda for the president featuring Klaus on the cover and says that Klaus is guilty of high treason. He also mentions that the, va- the invasion has started to... has begun. Uh, just then, we're not in Washington storm in, so we're not can tell Klaus that she doesn't want to go forward with his plan because now she knows what being a Nazi really means, and he's just a Nazi piece of shit. So the Fuhrer decides he can just plan to shoot all of them. But then a machine gun from off screen demolishes the Moon Fuhrer and all of his guards. And it turns out it's Vivian. She tricked the guard that was supposed to kill her into letting her his guard down by offering him a blowjob. And she killed him. You know, that old trick. One last blowjob before <laughs> I die. I definitely wouldn't fall for that. Wink. You right, <laughs> I, I would totally fall for that. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, you got me again. <laughs> I will never not, you know, <laughs> right. like, man, uh, I'll take that chance every time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen. Like, what if it's, you know, that one time, it just needs to work one time. And then you're this good. Woman, this woman wants to give a blowjob for last time before she dies. She must really love him, as right. I assumed all women do. Right, right. If I'm a man in power, I assume that, right? Like, oh, yeah, this happens. It's America, too, from what I've been told. Yeah. This just happens everywhere. That's feminism, baby. (laughs) It's also the uh, kind of ties into the conversation the two uh, Nazi henchmen are having on the roof. Mm -hmm. They're looking at, like, the Playboy. Yeah. It's it's. It actually made me uncomfortable when they were talking about it. I was like, oh, man, because it's. It's like they're making it not sexy. You know what it's I mean? It's very clinical. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, now I don't want to. I don't want to think about this anymore. You just ruined everything. <laughs> Leave it to Nazis to ruin things, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so Renat and Washington get away as Klaus takes the gun from Vivian to shoot them, but it jams. And then Klaus leaves Vivian with blue balls. So Klaus goes to the roof and to get on the spaceship back to the moon and announces himself as the new Führer to the guards. But then the Moon Fuhrer shows up with a gun to try and stop Klaus, but he doesn't have much life left in him, and he collapses at Klaus's feet. Klaus finishes the job by kicking the Fuhrer in the face, and gets on the ship to leave, and goes into space, and then orders the Meteor Blitzkrieg. Dozens of UFOs attack the U.S., specifically New York, as well as meteors getting dropped on Earth. The president, Vivian, and the secretary of defense watch on as New York City gets demolished. The president is very happy because presidents that start wars in the first term get reelected. And it's even more ecstatic when she finds out they're actual Nazis. Also, the the idea of time and space just does not matter in this movie whatsoever. 
It's like Vivian yeah. gets to Washington, D.C. in no time. Also, they get to the moon in no time. <laughs> yeah, how, how long of a trip is it to the moon? Like a, a week? I think it's like more than a week, I think. Yeah, a fortnight maybe? Maybe. I don't I don't know the a exact time. Yeah, something like that. So Let's, yeah, I, I, I guess it's right just, now. I guess it's just to, you know, make thing make the story go a little faster, but <laughs> no one wants to see like the the Nazis in the in their little spaceship just flying around like what are you going to do when we get back to the moon base? <laughs> it actually like, oh. takes three days. I'm surprised. Oh, okay. Pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. Um, but how fast do you get in your moon Nazi spaceship? That's true. 1940, right? It's probably 1945-ish technology. So, right. you know. Right. It's still running on, like, you know, old-timey engines and stuff like that for some reason. Uh, running on oil. <laughs> yeah, like steam power. Burning, coal burning stove. Right, there's there's one guy just in the back piling. <laughs> we need more coal. <laughs> Pulls the, like they pull the lever from you know like the the old school uh like the Titanic the the steamboats. Yeah. Like you know crank that lever. Full power, more more coal. We need more dog. <laughs> I am I am 100 surprised that having zeppelins in this that they they didn't even try and make an oh the humanity joke oh that would have been good yeah but maybe i was asking too much of this film right (laughs) europeans didn't know about the hindenburg they had no clue what happened i guess i don't know uh so meanwhile james and renat get in a cab while new york city burns and renat says that they have to go back to the moon to stop the invasion james was reluctant but she says she can't do it without him and he agrees so in record time, the cab gets to upstate New York and back to the ship. James, because he's played wing commander, is able to fly the spaceship. We're just going to dust off that problem right here. <laughs> is that yeah. neither of them have ever flown a spaceship before, but he's played wing commander. Of all it video games to reference. It, it would have been cool if they had just retconned it from the beginning and made him a pilot. Right? <laughs> that saves yeah. you so much trouble. Like, like us as the audience can't buy james washington as an astronaut that's really what it comes down to was right. like there's no the, way the makers was like these people are going to see this guy and will be like that's no way that's an astronaut <laughs> can't suspend our disbelief there. <laughs> yeah so like oh well he's a model right <laughs> we could, it's like we could believe that they would specifically pick a guy in nasa that happens to be black to be on the next spaceship <laughs> you know? like, i mean they, again armageddon they yeah. they contracted guys who you know for a specific role to go to space. So why would NASA not do the same thing here? Like, yeah, it means well, nothing have to have. It, but it means nothing to have an uh, a, a a model in space. Right. Well, that wasn't the full reason he was picked. They make that very clear. No, because like, he's pick, good looking. No, they pick him because he's black. Because well, he's a, black. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, again, there are black pilots. No, I know. Do. I know. I'm just saying that's like the whole. The whole joke of him being there is more so that okay. than the fact that he's a model, you know. I see. I, I just thought of it they as showed that a model. propaganda, you know, of her standing behind him, you know, in Times Square, um, you know, and all that stuff. But no, you could have easily, yeah, like Ann said, he could have just been a secret pilot, or you, you said whoever mentioned yeah, that. A, it didn't have to be secret. Just make him a pilot. Yeah. So, it's... oh yeah, what do you think models do in their free time? Right. <laughs> Just, yeah, just something even, to cross away look at. So 
I I think they're this whole half executed joke or plot line about him not being an astronaut for the purposes of creating propaganda using him as a black person. It's do now they have to do so much heavy lifting yeah. on the back end to justify why he can now fly this ship. Mm-hmm. And they hand wave it by saying he's played wing commander when you don't need to have that question even be asked if we we they handpicked this guy to go on the next space station because he's the only black guy in NASA. I can understand <laughs> that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> like I it's it causes so much logical dissonance like, you know, just to have that that plot line that they never fully execute in the front. Now we have to figure out why he can fly a plane. Right. I think like maybe when they were writing it, they just got to that point like, oh shit, one of them has to fly the plane. And at that point, you know, the movie's almost over. So are they going to go back and change it in their next draft? I don't, you know, I guess not. But yeah, it, it's something that's, it's such an easy fix. Yeah. And it's just laziness at that point. Mm-hmm. I would have accepted that he doesn't know how to fly anything, hasn't played any games, and just fucking lucks into it. <laughs> Yeah. I would rather that happen. Like how how much more difficult can it be than ri- driving a car? <laughs> sure. And it, it's the same thing. With, like It worked perfectly in Independence Day. Yeah. Remember that movie? Will Smith has never flown an alien spacecraft, but he's a pilot. Yeah. He's a black pilot. Imagine mm. that. <laughs> uh, so the UN calls the special counsel. Everyone tries to figure out who is behind the invasion. North Korea tries to take credit for it, but everyone laughs at him. President and the Secretary of Defense show up and show satellite pictures of the aircraft and the swastikas on the side, so everyone thinks India is behind it. And the president tells them that they're real live Nazis from the moon and the U.S. has a secret weapon. The USS George W. Bush, a giant attack spaceship, which now Vivian is aboard and the commander of it is holding a major grudge against Klaus for the blue balls that he gave her. Is... Yep. Is the indication at this UN meeting that none of these countries know what Nazis are? Like, with that India... I know the joke is meant that that symbol is used before the Nazis, but, like, that would not be the first thing to come through my head when I see a swastika. Yeah, I guess... If I'm in the UN council. I guess they just thought that, you know, Nazis don't exist anymore. Yeah. That, that would be right for people in government, I'm assuming. Yeah. I also feel like the UN ambassador for India probably wouldn't be wearing rings with a swastika anymore. Probably not. Yeah, that's a fair <laughs> assumption. Yeah. It's like, I'm just not feeling this <laughs> symbol anymore, fellas. <laughs> like, I, I know it was a gift and I appreciate it, but now's not the time. Yeah. You wear that at home. <laughs> w. Bush starts to mount an assault, but is overmatched by the Nazi forces. But then all of the world powers have their own versions of these attack ships in order to help. And the president is upset about that because no one was supposed to have these. And they go back and forth about America doing is not supposed to having it either, but America does whatever America wants to do. It's called satire, bros. Uh, real quick. It- is Australia considered a world power? It's like on the cusp, I guess. It's like world power, like B, I guess. I yeah. think they're theoretically in the G20, but that's, you know, not much of an accomplishment. Right. Like when, like when, when people ask you, like, oh, you hear hoofbeats, you, you know, you, you think horse, you don't think zebra, right? Mm-hmm. It's like when someone asks you for a world power, 
you don't show Australia, <laughs> like, right? You show, you know, China, the U.S., uh, Russia. Like you show the big ones. You don't like, oh, here comes Australia to save the day. Well, well this movie is partially funded by Australians, so. Okay, so you have to. And, and also Finnish people, and you can tell the senses of humor of who <laughs> produced it because oh, the yes, the, yes, the the Australians. The whole reason they come here is just so they can make a good day mate joke. Yeah. Um, and and Finland, uh, I think they have staying. Yeah, yeah, they, they have staying. Yeah, yeah, they don't uh, have a, a spaceship yeah. that's armed. There's a joke that'll never ever get old. Am I right, guys? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But also, even the Avengers need a Hawkeye. <laughs> You're lucky Jen doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> or maybe she does. I don't know. But uh, well, you'll find out we... in a day or two. Right. Can you imagine, like, that's what your country is, like, everyone, or I don't know how every other country thinks of Finland. Maybe they don't think that way at all, and it's just us because we suck. No, 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 I think this was also funded by partially Finnish people, so they may have been making fun of their own country. A little self-deprecation. Yeah, because I think they're the, you know, I think they might have been, I don't know, there might be a World War II joke in there about the three Scandinavian countries. Well, what what so. if it was just like the, the the people from Finland really wanted to get in on this movie, and then like, all right, we'll only let you in on it if we can make fun of you abstaining from World War Two. Yeah. Oh, fine. All right. So meanwhile, Klaus and his ship make it back to the moon. A space assault ensues, and the world forces more than hold their own against the space Nazis. Renata and James also make it back to the dark side of the moon. Klaus readies the troops to attack the incoming Earth forces. James and Renat arrive on the moon base, and Renat tells James that they need to destroy the Gotterdammerung. It mentions the war, biggest war machine ever created by man, German's translation of the Norse word Ragnarok, the prophesied war among the gods. James goes to try and find the scientist Renat's dad happens to be in order to try and reverse his Caucasianism. Uh, she tells him to try and disable the engines while she goes to the bridge, and then they have an awkward moment as they separate. The Earth forces approach the dark side of the moon and gets a visual on the Nazi base. Viv- Vivian decides to launch nukes at the base despite the existence of women and children on the base, because the U.S. does not negotiate with terrorists. This is satire, fellas. Yeah. Now, you know, it's when, when she's getting ready to fire on the moon, and there's, you know, there's women and children on there, but like, they're women and children Nazis. Do you kind of give them a pass for that? Uh, this is getting a little bit too close to U.S. foreign policy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> rather not touch upon it on this podcast. Gotcha. <laughs> that could be uh, for our Patreon. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> w. Bush launches a bunch of nukes on the base, killing a lot of people, seemingly mostly innocent people. Klaus calls Dr. Richter to find out how long before the Gotterdammerung is operational. He says three months. Klaus tells him he has three minutes. James sneaks up on the doctor and knocks him out with a comically large wrench. Then Klaus gives the order to start the helium-3 engines. And the Gotterdammerung is operational and comes out of the crater it's been hiding underneath. And it's enormous. Klaus fires off some guns that blows up part of the moon in order to give the Gotterdammerung a clear shot of the Earth. The debris causing damage to the USS W. Bush. Meanwhile, as James tries to stop the engines, Dr. Richter comes to and tries to attack him, and they start to fight. Or not, uh, at the same time, she sneaks, finds an emergency fanfare lever, which she pulls and starts to play some sort of national anthem, assuming it's the Nazi national anthem, but I don't know if they 
got that specific with it. Which all the Nazi officers have to stop to salute, which slows down their assault and gives James a chance to fight back against Dr. Richter. But Klaus doesn't fall for it and orders his officers to find out what's going on and why it's playing. So they run off. Klaus starts lining up the guns to fire upon the earth, but Renat shows up with a gun. But he kicks a glass window that lets out a whole bunch of steam for some reason, which allows him to sneak up on her and take the gun from him. And then Klaus starts monologuing a bit before he plans to shoot Renat, and she notices a lamp overhead with a broken bulb. So she starts appealing to his ego and offers him one last see Kyle before he shoots her. And she gives the Nazi a salute, which he reciprocates and sticks his hand right in the bulb, causing him to be electrocuted. She gets on the intercom to get to Washington and tells him he needs to shut down the engines, but then Klaus gets back up and starts attacking her. He gets her to the ground, and she takes off her high heel and stabs him in the head with it, killing him. Meanwhile, Washington can't really figure out what he needs to do to stall the engines, so he just pulls all the wires out and gets electrocuted. How about that? Yep. But it works, and the Goddardamarung stalls out and crashes onto the moon, and Washington manages to what we appear, what appears to be escaping via an escape pod. Vivian is disappointed that she couldn't kill Klaus herself, but she gets praise from the UN and the president. Vivian tells them that there are a bunch of silos on the moon labeled Helium-3, which the Secretary of Defense tells the president they should claim as the U.S.'s because it could power the U.S. independently from anybody else for thousands of years. That causes a fight inside the UN. The Secretary of Defense tells Vivian to defeat, defend the Helium-3 from all the other Earth ships as people fist fight in the UN Council. Uh, meanwhile, Renate walks through the wreckage of the colony and walks into her classroom and finds that it's filled with people. They ask her what Earth was like, and she says it's different. They asks if they will be able to go back, and she says yes, but in in times of peace. Then James shows up, not on the escape pod. He's back to his old self because he found a bottle of anti-albinizer. And she's Is that a real see- thing? I don't believe so. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) And she's happy to see him, and she jumps into his arms, and they make out in front of everybody, even as one of the people point out that he's black. Meanwhile, all the other Earth ships get destroyed, and we pull out to see the Earth as warheads get launched, causing destruction all over the world. And that is the end of Iron Sky. Yeah, so quick question, Ant, because I may be the only one that skimmed ahead in the credits. Does the second one take place on Mars? Um... You know, I don't know. I watched okay. I watched to the end to see if there was a... This felt like a movie that would have a uh, end credit scene. Yeah. But all it had was just pulling out to Mars. So, possibly. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if that was in your notes or not. Nope. My notes end there. Um, yeah, this movie's all over the place. Yeah, it's a mess. Uh, story-wise, acting-wise, visually, it's a mess. Ooh, yeah. It's ugly. Yeah, very drab, very drab. Uh, I mean, a lot of it takes place on the moon, so... It looks like what you would get if you gave uh, Zack Snyder $7 million. Yeah, Uh, his uh, his vision definitely would have been compromised with this movie, (laughs) for sure. There was way more Nazi moon base that you didn't get to see in my movie. Okay, Zack, all right. Because it's it's very stylized to, mm -hmm. to his sort of... It kind of looks like Sucker Punch, to be honest with you. Sure, sure. It, it, yeah, it, it has uh, the same drab color tone to it. Yeah. Right? A, a lot of browns, a lot of, uh, yeah, just a lot of browns, really. It's, yeah, it's not a good-looking movie. Nope. Uh, again, but, it, like, I think it's it's not, like, one of those, oh, what, what's the name of the, uh, you know, like, the movies that the, uh, 
the studio that does the you know like um i'm trying to think of what it is the asylum the asylum yes so it, it's not bad enough like the asylum movies mm-hmm. but it's still bad enough to be like yeah this movie is it, it it's shitty but not asylum shitty yeah yeah, yeah just to uh give you a description of why iron sky 2 may have been a good choice as well the um they have to save humanity by fighting the real an ancient shape-shifting reptilian race and their army of dinosaurs oh no thank you <laughs> yep. i am uh i'm vetoing anybody ever picking that movie yep. <laughs> that yeah that sounds I, awful I it would have been better that. if it was set on mars that came out in 2019 too not that yeah. long ago oh you, you know what movie did uh space nazis pretty well uh <coughs> starship troopers there you go yeah. yeah star wars space nazis yeah there you go half the time they did it well a few times phantom menace probably did it the best <laughs> uh you guys got any more to say or you want to plug your shit uh real real quick i want to make the movie where it's die hard on the moon base okay making that movie Oh, Bruce Willis is getting pretty close. Sure. That's the point with the diehards. Yeah, that that would be the next logical step. Uh, But, so don't steal my shit, Hollywood. I'm coming for you. (laughs) Um, I'm at Diaquino122. That's my personal Twitter. Uh, I also help run the Stranger Damies, our real play D&D Twitter. Uh, Drop us a line. Let us know if you you like what you see or you don't like what you see. You know, chat D&D with us. Also, uh, rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That that really helps us out a lot. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my shtick. Yeah, so um, all of our podcasts, uh, Stranger Damies, as Dan mentioned, our D&D one, airs new episodes every other Wednesday. Um, we stream our sessions live at twitch.tv slash gamevaultpod. And then we have the Game Vault podcast, which is where the Twitch channel comes from. That airs every other Monday. Uh, myself, Tom, and Jen talk a little video games, and then we talk about a retro roulette game that we had played that um, And then we stream, um, including that retro roulette game, five nights a week over on the twitch.tv slash pod. So be sure to check that out. Once again, that's twitch.tv slash pod. Okay, great. And we are They Called This Movie. You can find us on Spreaker and wherever you get your podcast, just by searching They Called This Movie. We are also on uh, all socials by searching The Main Damie. The main website is themaindamie.com. And on uh, all socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at The Main Damie, you'll find us. We are also on TikTok under They Called This Movie. So you can just search for They Called This Movie on the TikTok as the Gen Zs call them, and you will find us there. We are also proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com and on all socials and all streaming apps just by searching Geek Vibes Nation. Tons of great shows there for you. If you're into geek stuff, surely you could find something that you enjoy. You can go and rate us on wherever you get your podcast. That would help us out a great deal. If you want to suggest a movie to us, you can go and hit us up at the main at gmail.com or on Twitter. Both two good places to get a hold of us and suggest something for us. Well, that's going to wrap it up this week. The director of Iron Sky is Timo Veronsola. That's what we're going to go with this week. So, for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Lovecchio telling Timo Veronsola, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you?
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.